going on guys it's your boy matt st jack whether you're an avid anime fan a wee tadpole still finding your way or anywhere in between i'll be providing my opinions and insights on anime old and new think yelp with help from friends and producers from other shows weighing in i know you can't wait to hear and i can't wait to tell so let's get to it this is matt st jack with anime talk let's go I'm Bo Maddox. I'm Robert Ortegon. And I'm Ashley Chancellor. And this is Collateral Cinema. Welcome to Collateral Cinema, the only movie podcast that matters, where we focus on good movies, bad movies, and everything else in between in the world of cinema. We are podcasting straight from somewhere in South Texas, and yes, my friends, we are a 420-friendly podcast, so whatever you have, smoke it if you've got it. And welcome to episode two of Bad Movie December. It's not December anymore, but carrying on in the spirit of our uh, new yearly tradition. And, and and what better way to do that than with, with the cage, bros? Absolutely. We're, we're raging with the cage, man. That's what we're doing. You rage with the cage, right? Raging Cajun. The raging Cajun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we are vibing with the uh, 2006 remake of the 1973 film The Wicker Man, starring Nicolas Cage. Uh, this was directed by Neil Labute, I believe. Yes, that, that's correct. Labute. Right. So I've never seen the original, but I've heard a lot of good things about it. Um, people say that it's also a batshit movie. Yeah, it's just, it's just batshit in a completely different way, you know? Batshit. I can believe bro. that. Yeah, I could believe that. Absolutely. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'll believe that the both of these movies are also based on a novel. Yes, it's called, it's called Ritual, I believe. Ritual. Ritual, Ritual. novel. Huh. Very nice. It would just, I, I thought it was like Stephen King when I first saw it. I don't know. Right. <laughs> I don't know. It's uh it's got it's got a feeling of like different directors in the movie, yeah. Yeah, but it's still just one director, which still is weird. Still just one director, yeah. You know, it, it does feel like it, there's uh, different movies kind of stitched together here a little bit. Yeah, like I thought it was like like Shutter Island for a second, and uh, <laughs> Shutter Island. I thought I thought he just came out with like Lords of War, and then Shutter Island happened, and then. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I don't know. And then all these twists more than Shutter Island, really. Yeah, yeah. It, <laughs> it, it gets bad shit, and we'll talk about that here in, in a little bit. It really does, actually. And it gets even more bad shit through Nick Cage's classic 
overacting performance and it's just, it's just full cage here it's great also we get some very memeable quotes from this film which i'm sure we'll dive into later Absolutely. I mean, I, I fell in love with this movie watching it, man, because it's just you can tell just right from the get go that there's just something off about it. You know, <laughs> but like fr from the moment where you have uh, Nick Cage as, as this uh, as this motorcycle cop looking at a goddamn uh, self-help book for some reason is like everything's OK. And he just smiles, and it's 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 just from that moment on. Like I, I'm not sure what this movie is really going for. I mean, I, I did a little research on Reddit, and here in a little while, we there, I, I saw an interesting theory that I might bring up, actually. So, um, but Ash, uh, this was your this was pretty much all of our uh, first time watching this movie, right? Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Yeah, it was my first time. Yeah. Well, guys, uh, what do you think about this? What are your first reactions to it? Um, at first, pretty much you guys are, are like probably thinking the same thing. It's like you don't know what the fuck you're watching here. I, I know. Uh, like, what am I watching here? It's it just kind of happens, right? Yeah, it's the happening. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> nah. uh, but yeah, it just everything just plays out, and you just watch it, and it's. Um, I have no idea whether it was like dream reality or I was thinking at one point I was thinking Tim Burton's like Big Fish for a second. Yeah, it does uh, kind of have that surreal quality to it. A little. That vibe of Big yeah. Fish. I don't know. Yeah. Dude. You know, huh. this movie's got everything you really expect out of a bad movie. Um, loose plot threads, uh, scenes that go nowhere and add nothing to the movie. Um, uh, and, and, and just a completely nonsensical plot that's never really explained what, what's really funny about this movie is it would just be i think a played bad movie were it not for nicholas cage who turns into, into so bad it's good cinema with just his his cagey performance uh, i think he really sells it in fact I heard a rumor that Nicolas Cage actually knew that this movie was going to suck, and so he acted hammier than usual just to, just to fuck with it. <laughs> I absolutely believe that because, I mean, he just chews scenery left and right. I mean, I know that that's kind of a, a common thing to say about actors in movies like this, but this is like the embodiment of, of an actor knowing that this, this is not going to go anywhere good. So he's just going to have fun with yes. it, you know? <laughs> so he just choose the scenery. E even in this opening scene where he, him and that, him and that lady cop, they say next to absolutely nothing. Even then he's kind of chewing up the scenery that way, you know? Cause I mean, just, just that deafening silence and he, his presence there just, it, it just, you know, covers it, you know, you know what I mean? He, he covers every scene he's in. Uh, Nicholas Cage is just, he's, he's always the, the chief actor of every scene he's in. Of course, that's not saying a lot because the other actors in this movie give, to put it mildly stilted performances sometimes. And, and I, I, I think that part of that is intentional because they're like weird culty, people but yeah at the same time yeah. that doesn't excuse the lady cop or or a couple of the other performers here that 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 explanation doesn't apply to it's like sometimes like it, it, it's weird right you know what i mean it's like 
I mean, th- th- there's characters that they just have next to nothing to to do for them. Yeah, you know, it's basically like, Ghost Rider three, Spirit of Yeah, Vengeance. yeah, pretty yeah. much like that, right? <laughs> I mean, it's like it, it's like 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 the character Lily Sobieski's character. It's like I mean, really, I mean, th- there's not much for her to do other than just kind of be mysterious, you know. I mean. But 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 mainly the 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 cop the 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 her his the lady cop in the beginning, it's like she's she plays such a useless role. She's just there to give him the uh, the catalyst uh, for him to go to the island. That's pretty much what she's there for, and that's it. And, I mean, I'm not even so sure that cops even get mail mailed to them like personal mail mailed to them at their uh, headquarters. You know, I'm not even sure if that's a thing or not. So, I mean, yeah, it, it's it's just odd altogether, you know. The plot thickens. Didn't even know you had a plot. The plot thickens. Yeah, yeah. And that, <laughs> and another guy that's just completely useless. Another character right there. He, like, he just pretty much gets really, really invested into uh, into the character's bullshit, and that's pretty much it. You know, it's just it. They're, they're just being used just to move the character forward to where he needs to be, and not much else. You know, that conversation in particular is being used for exposition. Yeah, that way it's not weird for Nicolas Cage just to you know talk about his life, but rather he's got somebody to bounce it off of, and so it comes off a little less awkward. Not quite uh, as much as you'd hope to in a good movie script, but. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't a good yeah. movie script. So it, it, I love how, yeah, we basically have this conversation for the sake of exposition and, and that's it. That, that, that's all it really serves to do. And then like you said, kind of move the plot forward. Okay. Now we're going to go to summer's Isle, and there's yeah. really not yeah. a whole lot else to the opening other than that one, that, that first scene where we haven't brought up yet, but that opening scene of the movie which amounts to what? What what purpose does it serve to the overall plot? I guess it's supposed to establish that he's traumatized and that trauma comes back to haunt him a few times. But it's like, okay, first of all, first of all, that little girl, my God, that little shit. <laughs> I mean, first, I, 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 think that she, I think that she threw her doll out on purpose from the get-go. Like, like that that's the whole thing he he sees uh, the the doll fall out of the car and he picks it up while he's on the motorcycle and he pulls him over just to give that back to them you know and then and then she fucking throws it back out again like with this mm. like this really petulant look in her fucking face and she's just like oh I'm bored, bored. it's like honestly I thought Nick Cage was dead the whole time like the six hands like or something <laughs> okay. it was just weird you know what I mean? I, I thought it was like in, we're in the dream world here or something. All right. <laughs> you know? Yeah, because what the fuck was that scene, right? Like, it just it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But I'll tell you what, that little girl got what was coming to her. <laughs> oh, just even when, when he's trying to bash in the back fucking rear window, she she pops up and she looks at him like, motherfucker, what? Like, like, like pure contempt on her face. And I'm just like, what the fuck, little girl? <laughs> it's like, okay, well, fuck you then. Okay, I'm glad that you blew up. But inexplicably, they, they, they fucking never find the bodies. How does that happen? Yeah. 
Why? Why are Why are there no bodies? Why? I mean, even in an explosion, there's going to be remains left. I mean, they. they yeah. It's like, what is that? They could have said that they were that they were charged a crisp and beyond recognition or something. But I think the implication is is that that they disappeared like intentionally, like they got out of the car, or I I don't know. Yeah, that somehow they are initially part of uh, what what brings. Uh, What's the character's name? Edward. Malice or something like Edward that? Edward Malice. Edward Malice. Edward Malice. Yeah, it's like, it's like, are you really gonna try to have them part, become part of the fucking conspiracy here? It's like, I mean, it, it, it's really unclear as, as to whether or not they're supposed to be involved or not. So. I don't know. It, it makes for an already nonsensical scene in a completely nonsensical movie. Well, you know, and, that, and, and it's not even the first five minutes. Them being connected to the cult is the only way to explain the presence of the scene because it's just this weird thing that happens to his character that he keeps flashing back to. And it's never connected explicitly to the plot. They never draw any kind of connection. It's so weird. I'll tell you what, though. At least we get to see that scene where the the truck hits the girl several times. <laughs> That's just, just I hilarious. know that happens at least twice. <laughs> it's like, oh my god! It, it, it's like he—he's just fixating on a random little girl, and then the truck just goes. And it's just like, oh well. And, and, and what's amazing? He doesn't even really react to it. It's—it's it's like almost an everyday thing for him, and he—he's just. He just like oh well, what was, was like oh what was that and then he t- takes his pills and they're like all right I'm gonna go cage it up or somewhere else oh, all right I'm Nick Cage I'm Nick Cage so I'm gonna do what a Nick Cage does that's right <laughs> I'll be on SNL if I want to <laughs> stupid <laughs> <laughs> fucking stupid that's high praise but yeah so so weird opening scene and then basically we get the segue into bringing him to summer's isle um and then right right off right right away we get to meet these unusual characters that will form the majority of the cast from here on and just and just nick cage just reacting to all of this the cagest he can with the script he's given yeah literally they could have just uh this movie could just been just about him just going around doing things and, <laughs> you know, having no real uh, interconnected meaning. No, but, no, not at all. You know, I want to say that this movie has something to say, kind of, somewhere along the line, because I'm, I'm going to I'm going to tell the truth. I like the cinematography in this movie. I mean, there's actually some attempts at a uh, cinematic angle to everything, you know? But it's just it's just the execution is what suffers here. Yeah. You know, like like I mean, the color grading is nice and warm and, and vibrant, you know? It's like most of the horror happens in in uh, daylight, you know? There there's very few nighttime scenes here. And you know, he he's he's pretty much uh, targeted by a cult. So, I don't know. Maybe this is kind of like uh, what Ari Aster was going for with, like, Hereditary or Midsommar. That's what I want to say. I want to say that, like, Midsommar is probably, like, the better version of this movie. Okay. And it would probably be an interesting uh, uh, double feature as well. Yeah. You know? Yeah, so like this is like an early attempt so, at, at Midsommar. Okay, I can see that, or, or Hereditary. Hmm. Um, 
yeah, I, I, I think that's what it's going for. I just, you know, yeah. it, ultimately, I think, you know, the, the script is, is, is what lets everything down because you've got everything it, else. It, it really is. That and the yeah, performances. That, that, that's the point that I was... <laughs> Yeah, that's the point where I was going for is that what really kills it is this script. This script is just nonsensical. I mean, what actually happens in this movie? I thought it was National Treasure 3. I know, man. It's like, but Robert, Robert, you think that it's like every Nicolas Cage movie but it's The Wicker like, Man. Yeah. Maybe, like, maybe it's because maybe because you'd much rather be watching those movies <laughs> other than The Wicker Man, but maybe. then again, this movie is entertaining as fuck. Honestly, so. when I heard the title The Wicker Man, I'm like, are you talking about the Iron Maiden song or the album cover? Oh, fucking hey, dude. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> I, I like, had that fucking album, Brand dude, New World. I love that, dude, Brand New World. Yeah. And it had a song called The Wicker Man, and it was specifically, yeah, it was specifically inspired by the original movie. I love that shit. Oh, shit. Which, by the way, had Christopher goddamn Lee in it. I don't... Christopher Mother... Sir Christopher motherfucking Lee. Sir Christopher motherfucking Lee. The Chad. 70s Dracula. Fucking Saruman, motherfucker. Saruman. Dracula, too. Count Dooku. And uh, Saruman. Abs- uh-huh. Yeah. That, is, that is Christopher Lee, Count Dooku. And, and he was awesome in the original yeah. movie. I mean, he, he was like the best part of that movie. And and what's interesting is how this movie kind of plays a lot of the, the story uh, points uh, of the original movie kind of straight, almost, almost word for word, note for note even, you know? Uh, except for it being so, a, I mean, a matriarchal society, right? And... Yeah, yeah, that, that's the only real difference that they really uh, added to this was the matriarchal angle. But, I mean, it, it pretty much plays out the same way as the original movie, it, but it's just like they, they, what they mainly took out of it, though, was the whole religious struggle. Like, the original movie had a real struggle between the uh, rigid Catholicism of uh, the... Uh, the original um, Edward. I don't think that was his name in the original movie, but it's like the original uh, main character that was, he was a cop. He was very pious. He was a virgin. He's, he's supposedly uh, engaged, but he never like, uh, we never see his fiance or anything. And, and Christopher Lee is just in this character. His character is just this really, uh, really liberated kind of, you would say progressive even for its time uh, take on like, you know, sexuality and whatnot. But, and, and, and there's a clash there between that neo-paganism and that Catholicism that makes up the, the crux of that movie. And that's not really uh, present in this movie, or at least, at least in the script. You know, you, you don't get that whole religious struggle. It's just it's more or less a personal struggle, you know, with uh, between him, his uh, his former fiance and this uh, society that she's a part of. So, yeah. So you, you take away some of the parts that take meaning. You execute it poorly. And on top of that, there's just so many just holes in this. OK, for instance, Looking back on it now, after the big twist, right? Why the fuck does he go through what he goes through in this movie? Like, like none of it makes sense. Like, the amount of, like, deception that they put him through when it's shown that they very clearly can overpower him very easily. It, it, it's just, like, it, 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 it absolutely makes no sense. None of it does. <laughs> And normally with a, in a movie with a big twist like that, 
you expect to go back and watch through the movie again and think, okay, so that's why they did this, and that's why they did this, and this was written in. None of that is here. None of the premise supports the conclusion of this movie. (laughs) No. No, not at all, man. I mean... The, the script is just nonsensical in ways that I can't even really, you know, describe, you know, and it, but it, it all leads to just this, this almost stream of consciousness, especially near the end, you know, where, mm-hmm. uh, where, you know, things just start breaking down for Nicolas Cage, Cage's character, you know, they, I mean, it, things just go batshit insane from there. And then you're, you're just like, what were they doing when they were writing this? I mean, like, what kind of drugs were they on? I know that's kind of cliche to ask that, but, you know, th- the the writer of this script was on something really whacked out. Man. I <laughs> yeah, mean, <don't> <laughs> to, to, to come up with this, it to, to come up with Nicolas Cage just in a bear suit punching <laughs> yes! a, a woman, the fuck out of a random woman. Yes! Gives us great, one of the greatest scenes in, in movie history and in, in cinema. But, you know, here's the... F- Here's the funny thing about that. In the original movie, they have pretty much a similar scene, except the main character is dressed up as a clown when he does it, and he he punches a random villager who's uh, trying to who's trying to uh, supposedly execute Rowan, the the little girl. Yeah. But I mean, just Nick Cage having Nick Cage in a bear suit just just walk up just silently and just deck this woman. <laughs> it's just so perfect. In, in, in this movie, it just becomes a great moment of comedy, you know? I mean, what what more do you want out of life other than watching Nick Cage put on a bear suit and punch a woman? It, that's incredible. It, 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 it was just the one thing missing from <laughs> my life that I didn't know that I needed, and now that I've seen it, I feel complete. Just the fact that people came together, wrote that scene, got Nicolas Cage, got him in that fucking bear suit, <laughs> and he just went with it. It's, it's, it's a marvel, you know? It's, it's a marvel of cinema. And I'm just like, holy fucking shit. Like, you, you, it's, like it, it's, it's like a perfect, you know, Crazy storm of, of, <laughs> of craziness, of insanity. And it just comes together in that one moment, and also the penultimate moment of this movie, which was not in the original theatrical film, but is definitely in the version that we saw, which is, of course, the infamous Not the Bees scene. I mean, dude, that that scene has become such a meme that by this point that it's practically kind of mm. played out, maybe, Honestly, a little bit. dude, I thought they were trying to put like the man in the iron mask all over. Not the bees. <laughs> Not the bees. And it turns out to be bees. They dump over his head. <laughs> yeah. You know what? What's funny is that it, it's such an interesting study of why that scene in particular became so mimetic because for one thing, it's a scene that's in the unrated version of the film. Like, as you mentioned, not the theatrical release for another you know, it's not the most bad shit thing that happens in, in the movie, but for some reason, it's just the caginess of it, where he's not full power cage, but he's but he's high power cage, 
and he's just and he's just screaming and 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 it's like yeah no like like I can see why this scene is so memeable and he's just like no no not in my eyes <laughs> so so he's 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 basically gear for Nicolas Cage exactly he's not gear five he's gear for Nicolas Cage four. and yeah okay what. Gear five being like vampires kiss, you know that level of uh, uh, of memeage, sure. you know. But spirits of vengeance. Uh, something of note, though. So I actually watched the theatrical release, and then I went and I watched the the that particular scene because I I knew, you know, it was important to the, the overall study of this movie. But um, and I can see where exactly it actually fit in in the movie and the unrated cut. So I actually have now in my mind both scenes, and and they're interesting because while we do miss out on the not the bee scene in the uh, in the theatrical cut, it is a little there is a little bit more uh, there there is a bit of unintentional humor that they add to it because um, most of the scene like like most of the dialogue during that part plays out, but it's just voiced over the procession. Uh, of people moving towards the giant wicker man. And so they sort of cut as the crowd gets to him and they don't show him them, him, them breaking his legs or whatever. No, it's like after they finish their, their little bit of dialogue, you know, you just kind of hear Nicholas cage off screen go, no, my legs. <laughs> and it's so funny. Oh my God. That's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah, because he specifically, I think they added that bit in because it wasn't obvious what was going on. They weren't showing it to us like they did in the unrated version. So, you know, which makes, leads me to believe that that was the original, like, shot of the scene, right? Was what we saw in the unrated cut. It just got cut, you know, I guess because it was too violent. Something like that. And it's not even really that messed up at all, really. I mean, worst thing, thing they do is they just break his fucking legs and then pour bees on his head and then burn him to death. Yeah, yeah. Not the worst, not the worst thing that I've seen. And what's interesting is that Nicolas Cage at first, uh, in his uh, press run on this uh, movie, he was he was trying to really push it as uh, like, like he wanted to make a really disturbing horror movie. Yeah. He wanted this to be a disturbing film. It tries to. And could you imagine what would have happened if, yeah, could you imagine what would have happened if he would have succeeded <laughs> yeah. and this would have been like, this would have been on the same level of like a hard candy or funny games or something like that or, yeah. or like uh, Cannibal Holocaust and that whole thing. It's like, I could see that they might have uh, gone that way. I, I, I see how it could have gone that way, but I mean, instead we got this absolute, magnificent display of nonsense. I mean, Jesus Christ. That's honestly the best way to describe it, the entire thing. And, you know, because the movie script is so weak, I think that that honestly adds to the hilarity of it. It's just like this, like you said, like this perfect storm where you have Nicolas Cage being Nicolas Cage and this, this, this batshit poorly executed script and stilted performances and that you know what i mean like that's that's the entire movie it's yeah. just this like perfect combination that just gives you like like that just makes it iconic actually so and, and memeable <laughs> afternoon sorry about that it's okay i'll get it 
me your hand! Edward, I know that we haven't spoken in a few years. I need your help. I need your help. I have a daughter. Her name is Rowan. She has been missing for two weeks now. I fear she is in danger, so now I turn to you. Be careful and believe nothing that you see or hear. Lost your bearings? Oh, hey, sorry. Snuck up on me there. This is private property. Do you know her? Hmm, I don't recognize this child. Welcome. My little girl is still here. been taken by who I don't know. I'll find her. If she existed, we would know of her. Whose desk is this, hmm? Rowan? Hello? You suspect foul play. The wicker man returns. Who's the wicker man? I'm gonna search every inch of this town. She'll burn to death. She burned to death. I need your help. Daddy. I'm going to go ahead and go a little further and say I think the director himself, uh, LeBute, I think that he adds a little bit to it because, okay, on the Bad Movies subreddit, I don't remember who the commenter was. It was a comment on a thread about The Wicker Man. Uh, but this person, uh, and, if you, and if you happen to be listening to us, uh, leave us a comment on whatever uh, app you're using and uh, let us know. But apparently the uh, the director is an ex an ex Mormon, apparently, uh, and apparently this movie is supposed to have a lot of metaphors for him kind of breaking away from uh, Mormonism, and that's kind of uh, what the uh, cult is supposed to be kind of uh, based off of a little bit, like and, and that kind of goes into the whole. Uh, the whole conceit of uh, the uh, village, you know, their main crop being honey, you know, and, and you know, that that whole honeycomb uh, diagram that uh, you see in the in the bee fields and everything. And, you know, there's also kind of the parallel with uh, the, uh, you know, sister uh, Summer's Isle being like the queen bee and all the uh, men being like worker drones and whatnot and everything. And, and supposedly that's kind of a reference to Mormonism because apparently, I mean, uh, bees and uh, honey have some type of significance in Mormon, uh, in, in the Mormon religion. You know, they're, they're, it has a re some mm. type of uh, significance. I don't remember what it is, but I believe that supposedly even the, the name of Edward Malice, that might even be some kind of reference to uh to the biblical or, or, or the uh, in the Book of Mormon, uh, what they called bees. You know, it, it was like a certain name they had for them. So, not the bees. 
Yeah, this commenter put forth a pretty interesting uh, uh, take on it. And let you know, this movie is really just about the uh, the director finally just breaking away from Mormonism and uh, just uh, finally having a more critical eye towards his former religion. And that's kind of what's being played out here. Except that Nicolas Cage doesn't get away. No, it's it's just once again the script is just so fucking out of whack that you know that doesn't come through and if 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 it would have had a better script i feel like those themes would have been a little better executed and they would have been a little more self evident you know but in the in the end it's just all kind of uh glossed over with a bunch of bullshit yeah. you know I mean, that's what the, the script just layers bullshit after bullshit after bullshit. And it, all those themes that the director was going for is just kind of uh, it's just kind of thrown by the wayside, you know. So th- th- that's why I say, you know, I'm, I'm not blaming the director for this either, because the director was I think that honestly, the director did what he could with what the script was, you know, and he did the best he could. And. Honestly, like I said, there's a lot of real cinematic el- angles to uh, how he shot this movie and, and the cinematography and everything. It's, I mean, I think that it could have been a much deeper movie than it is, but it once again, that perfect storm happened. And mm-hmm. I, I have a feeling that even if Nicolas Cage would have had a better script to work off of, I think his performance would have been a little more toned down and probably a little more focused. You know, it wouldn't have been the the hammy scene chewing shit that he does. Yeah. So, yeah, that that's something that made me think about this movie. And it's like, yeah, it really could have said something about, about a very specific type of perspective, you know. But, I mean, we don't get that perspective. Mm. Well, and it's ironic that what brings down... Labute's direction is the writing because it's his writing. He also wrote the screenplay. (laughs) (laughs) I know. That's what's sad about it. It's like, oh my God. What the fuck, man? It's like you could have, if he could have had somebody else maybe work on this script with him, it probably would have been a little tighter. You know? Yeah. It's like, or, 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 or maybe even just maybe farm the script out to somebody else and may- maybe got a script doctor on it to do a little work, maybe. There you go. I don't know. Carrie Fisher was alive at the time, and she could have given it to Carrie Fisher. She probably would have fixed it. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, that that's something she was known for. So <laughs> oh. I don't know. For all we know, there could have been some script fixing on her part for this movie. <laughs> I don't know. We'd have to see her uh, her credits for that, but... Yeah, it's like there's just so so many elements that just fail in this movie, but fail spectacularly. Exactly. You like know, fireworks. Kind of in the same, maybe kind of in the same way that something like Troll 2 or The Room uh, kind of had, you know, Lord just of, that. Lord of the Flies, you know. Yeah. You know, um, Lord of the Flies was a good movie, though. Those, yeah, those were good movies. Good, that was a good movie. Good book, too. Yeah, the, uh, the, and maybe there is a little bit of a Lord of the Flies angle here, but yeah, I mean... I, th- I thought it was. Yeah. Yeah. Or Lost, right? <laughs> Shit like that. Lost. <laughs> oh, no. I was Lost just watching Lost right after. Oh, yeah. Let's let's just do pointless lore for the sake of pointless lore. Right. Yeah. Seriously. Let's just, uh, let's just do J.J. Abrams. Just do J.J. Abrams Oh, God. Movies. Could you imagine if this movie was written by J.J. J. Abrams? 
it might have been act. It might have been halfway decent. I don't know. He was kind of at his peak around this time, I think. There you go. I don't really know what he was doing at this time. He may have been doing Lost at this time. So. 2006? Like, I thought I saw, like, Highlander, like, Mel Gibson, you know, with the half face. Yeah. <laughs> phallic symbol. Phallic yeah, symbol. Oh, that scene. Oh, yeah. The whole. Yeah. That, there's a lot of, of really. Uns- Lord of Light, and then the Wicker Man from Iron Maiden. <laughs> <laughs> That's definitely Iron Maiden right there. Fucking Iron Maiden. God damn it, Robert. Six months later. God damn it, Robert. No, it's not like Iron Maiden. Iron, I Iron, Maiden, I Iron a, Maiden fucking... I had uh, the shirt like that. And it was yeah, like it was on Iron fire Maiden too. was referencing these, these movies. It was on fire, They were specifically too. referencing the movie. I had the shirt, and the Wicker Man was on fire, too. Like, yeah, I, I had that album, and that, that album was awesome. actually got that yeah. from that concert. Uh, and, uh, Brave New World Tour, uh, 666 Tour. So you saw them when when that album came out? 2010. Yeah. Holy shit. Oh, no, that was way way later. Yeah, but they they were doing their 666 tour. Cuz I was and, and I was their, in I jet. was in Job Corps when yeah. uh, Brave New World came out. So Oh, I love that dude. I've been just like even just Fear of the Dark album. I love that album, you know. Shit. Fear of the Dark. Fear of the Dark. Fear of the Dark. Or just all of you know, Number of the Beast, uh, the Trooper, the Trooper. Why? Why are we talking about Iron Maiden? <laughs> <laughs> what the, because what the, the fuck, because of the Wicker Man, dude. <laughs> God damn it, Robert. <laughs> and then you Robert. Know, okay, here's waste, the question. Wasted years. Qu- bro, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's a great, a great song. Great, awesome, awesome band. But quick question, Robert. Have so. you ever seen the original Wicker Man? No. I don't think I've seen the original Wicker Man. Honestly. No, I cannot say I have. Have any of us not seen the original Wicker Man? No, I guess not. What the fuck are we doing with our lives? <laughs> I don't know. Some would say that that... I, I've heard some say that that's the Citizen Kane of horror movies, but then again, there's a lot of movies that might qualify as ci- the Citizen Kane of certain genres of horror movies. So as far as I'm concerned, Halloween is the Citizen Kane of uh, slasher movies. So, yeah. You know... Yeah, it starts with the starts from Halloween to me almost. <laughs> if you want to make if you want to make a good horror but movie, you should kind of from what for what I saw from some of the uh, YouTube channels that actually like compared to both of these movies, you know, I I actually would really like to see the original uh, the the original Wicker Man, you know, because I mean it. The, the only thing that I've heard about it is that it has a lot of those real 70s horror sensibilities, you know? It's, it's a lot more slower paced, you know, it's more plotting. There's not like, not a whole lot happens, but when, it, when something does happen, it might be pretty shocking, you know? Kind of like, you know, The Exorcist or The Omen or, you, you know, movies around that time or, oh, yeah. or Don't Look Down, you know, or something like that. But... Yeah. It's like, I mean, this, the, the original movie at least looks like it has something to say about, you know, the struggle between, uh, you know, paganism and, and Christianity, you know, and, and that, that makes for a very interesting struggle. So, I mean, yeah, maybe we should do an episode on the original Wicker Man and, and kind of compare these two movies. Yeah. Because, I mean, this movie right here, this is always going to be fucking remembered. I mean, just as much as the original is going to be remembered because this movie was just so fucking batshit and it was actually the the director trying to say something, but I mean, he just it, he just couldn't get it to fruition fully, you know? I mean, I don't know 
I don't know if it was just lack of experience with these type of filmmaking, because I would say that he's even trying to go for something a little Hitchcockian, sort of. Yeah. You know? oh, shit, yeah. It's like, it, it almost feels Hitch Hitchcockian in the way that the, uh, the actual suspense plays out, you know? Yeah. So, I mean... It, it feels like, yeah, the director, he definitely has a good eye for cinematography. He has a good eye for, you know, uh, for, for like color grading and everything. But it's like, I mean, that script, though, you know, is that it, fucking script. Is it quixotic? Oh, very quixotic. <laughs> you know, very much so. And it's lofty <laughs> ideal of, of being a good movie <laughs> script. Yeah. What was up with the... What was up with the school teacher, man? Like she, she was really, uh, really forceful, wasn't she? Oh, there's the the Iron Maiden mask. Oh, oh yeah, the Iron Maiden mask. Oh yeah. See, we're watching a review on YouTube, and we have the actual movie playing. So Robert's wa watching one thing. I'm I'm looking at another. <laughs> God damn it! Us and our ADD asses. Shit. Ah. Bees. Not the bees. Not the bees. Not the bees. Honey and the bees. How do you guys figure this movie ranks in the upper echelon of bad cinema? I mean, this is definitely so bad it's good. It is, or at least so weird it's entertaining. It's so cagey that it's good. It's so cagey that it has to be good. It has right? to be good. It's like pre-cagey. I mean, it, it, it's it's like the <laughs> the, the peak of uh, the one true god's uh, power. Exactly. exactly. Yes, the, the the one true God, Nicolas Cage. One true God. Yeah, the, yeah. By the way, join R slash One True God. It's all about Nicolas Cage. I think all this is just a prequel to Mandy. Actually, just happening. Oh, we need to do <laughs> Mandy, bro. Right. That talk about even Angry Driver. Oh my God, talk dri about angry. no Drive Angry. Drive even. Angry. Those two movies talk about Cage at his cagey. That's, that's definitely a prequel to Mandy. Oh man, Mandy is just beautiful, beautiful fucking movie. But yeah, how do y'all figure th this movie ranks in the with, when it comes to bad cinema? Not bad at all. Well, actually, if uh, if Nicolas Cage is the one true god, then where does Neil Breen fit into this? <laughs> uh, Neil Breen is the god that uh, bequeathed the one true god. Okay, he's the god. Of he's the god of all gods of Las Vegas. God, he's the god of Las Vegas, Nevada. Exactly, <laughs> that's what he is. That's his. That's his godhood. <laughs> he's the god of Nevada. He's three thousand miles to Graceland. Okay, here's what he is. He's, he's the patron saint of Nevada. That's what. That's what Neil Breen is. <laughs> the fucking patron saint of fucking Nevada. <laughs> Damn, old desert. And Damn. this podcast, by the way. Yeah, Neil Breen follows us. We we love you, Neil. Wait, we love Tommy Neil. Wiseau is Neil. the patron saint of this podcast. Neil is is we have multiple patron saints, dude. Elvira is a patron saint of the podcast. Oh, I was I, I was much. gonna say Neil is jo Joe Bob. Neil is our god. That's that 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 that's his. Neil is our god. It's, yeah, it's like yeah yeah. Tommy and Greg are the prophets, and and and, and uh, uh, Nicholas Cage is our other god. It's, it's a pantheon. Yeah. Nicholas Cage is our other god. It's like yeah, I, I think we're going to just uh, de declare our own myth uh, mythological. Uh, uh, pantheon of gods and it's, the patron saints. Yeah, yeah Nicholas. Because I, I consider, I also consider uh, Joe Bob and Briggs and uh, Darcy and the Mail Girl as uh, kind of patron saints of the podcast, as well as the cinema snobs. So yeah, Brad Nick, Jones, Nicholas Cage is like a Charles Heston. 
God, you know. Yeah, James Rolfe even. I guess he, yeah. he I guess he would probably be one of our uh, patron saints. <laughs> I guess. Right. James Rolfe or the nerd. Uh, both. both. Okay. Both. I mean shit, James Rolfe, he's he is a filmmaker. So yeah. he, he has made a movie or two. But a few. But, just a few. But I feel I feel like this movie is entertaining enough to be up there with like Maybe not so much The Room or Birdemic, but at least around Troll 2 or A Karate Christmas Miracle and just in just how batshit insane it is, you know? Yeah. Or I guess some would probably even say as batshit insane as Freddy Got Fingered, which is its own type of uh, insanity. So Yeah. <laughs> I would agree. I mean, some say that's a bad movie, but no, no. It, listen to our episode on Freddy Got Fingered, ladies and gentlemen. Don't 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 sleep on that. We we have takes. <laughs> we have takes on that movie that we're not going to get into. Fred, Freddy Got Fingered is trying to be a shitty movie, so you can't hate it for that. Sorry, I know we you said we wouldn't go into it, but <laughs> yeah. But yeah, anyway. Tom Green. Tom Green. Tom just, Green. It's his masterpiece, really. Oh yes, definitely. Yeah, we gotta go with that. Yeah. Oh yeah. We do. Yeah. Because even Freddy, when Freddie got fingered for Criterion. But even when it came out, I was like, dude, this is the funniest shit I've ever fucking seen. Maybe <laughs> maybe that's an apt comparison though, because if if it's to be believed that any part of this performance is is purposeful on on Nicolas Cage's part in spite of a terrible script then then yeah it, it's totally got this like self-aware thing going on despite the script itself not being self-aware absolutely and that's what makes Nick Nick Cage such a great actor you know it's like I mean you could pretty much throw him in anything and and for a while he was in pretty much anything because he had to, had to. I mean he was uh he was really, really, really behind on his back taxes for a while there. Damn. So yeah, he had to take work whenever he could take it, you know. Whenever, and and it led to some legendary roles. Honestly, you know, I'm pretty sure a Lord of War was one of those roles that he had to take, you know, and that War. ended up being a pretty decent movie, all all around. Jared so, Leto in there too. Yeah, yeah, with Jared Leto in there as well. Yeah, I that, love that movie, dude. Yeah, that yeah, that turned out to be a pretty decent movie, you know. But anyway, guys, you think maybe we can get into the final thoughts here? Final thoughts. I mean, yeah. yeah. We, we, I mean, th th what else can really be said about this movie that hasn't been said already? You yeah, know? exactly. Not I right. mean, uh, uh, other than some of the thematic angles of this movie. Other than it just getting more cagey than it already is. You know? <laughs> yeah, R Robert, give us your final thoughts. <laughs> what, what are your final thoughts on Nicolas Cage and The Wicker Man? The Wicker Man. Seeing it for the first time, it's like, I, I don't know. I, I, I didn't know what to expect, really, dude. It's just like on all this shit just started happening, really. But, uh, yeah, all of it just started reminding me of, like, other movie scenarios, really, mostly. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's a great film, though. I'd watch it. I would have to watch it again, too. Now, would it rank as one of your favorite uh, all-time uh, performances by Nicolas Cage? Or has he done better? One of his all-time performances, yeah. Definitely. What, what, what yeah. do you think is a uh, comparable performance of his? Um, besides Mandy? Yeah, besides Mandy, because Mandy is just like penultimate Nicolas Cage. Maybe. Of course, we, we haven't seen that, uh, what was it, Wally's Wonderland? 
You know, oh. where, where it's pretty much like a, a FNAF thing that he does? Oh, where he's like uh, oh, he, a vampire. He's, he's, no, 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 that's Renfield. Renfield, okay. No, this is the Five Nights at Freddy's uh, clone that uh, Okay, yeah. yeah. We're missing a whole thing here. Yeah, where apparently he had like little to no dialogue. So Still want to watch Renfield, though. Ash, what are, what are your final thoughts on this movie? Okay, so... Why did the opening scene happen and that we keep getting flashback to? Why did the villagers put Nicolas Cage through all of this shit when they had the means to keep him imprisoned and sacrifice him whenever they needed to? Why did any of this happen? Why why did this script get written? Why why did Neil LeBute <laughs> feel the need to remake a classic horror film. And why the fuck was James Franco at the end of this movie? And Jason Ritter, too, right? <laughs> yeah. Jason Ritter. Yeah, Dave Franco and Jason Ritter. They were going to resurrect Jason. I don't know. Yeah, I know. They were, they were going to resurrect Jason. Freddy to, versus to fight Jason. Freddy. <laughs> to fight Freddy. <laughs> I guess I Franco know. was just going to go full James Dean at any moment. He was going to James Dean it up. And then James Dean it up and then full go Tommy was so exactly and then Tommy was over if we needed it to yeah happen. exactly but 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 why is the question <laughs> I keep asking myself but then I don't I think no not why why not why not it 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 just hmm. it, it just is there is there is no why okay this is a gift from a divine being who's known to the mortal world as Nicolas Cage. Um, exactly. it, 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 it's, it's, it, it, you know, it's, it's like a last minute post-holiday Christmas present. Just it's, it's like trying to define Riccio's powers, really. <laughs> I know. It, it's very vague, right? <laughs> they, they're, they're just there. There's just, it just happens. You know? Yeah. <laughs> now, as for my thoughts on this movie, I think that... Everybody should watch this movie at least once. It's it's definitely something to behold. It, it's another example of somebody who was trying to say something but just didn't know how to say it properly in the cinematic context. You know, knew how to knew how to make a movie, knew how to make movies and shit, just didn't know how to bring this vision to fruition. You know, I mean. And, and, and it's worth the admission alone just for Nick Cage just being a weird, sad, misogynistic asshole throughout the whole fucking movie. I mean, he punches how many women in this movie? He punches, he beats the shit out of, like, three women or something uh, uh, like that. Oh, yeah, no, Nicolas Cage. Nicolas Cage is a bastard in this movie. I mean, he really is. He's a bastard and a half. And and you know he he doesn't he just doesn't give a shit throughout the whole fucking movie. He doesn't give a shit about anything. There's even a, a moment where I'm pretty sure that he was like fully shocked. It was that move that moment in the uh, school with the uh, the crow in the desk. He's just like what? It's like that 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 looked organic to me, you know. Truly. But but ultimately, I mean. The script, the script fails, and uh, Nicolas Cage pretty much just picks up all the slack in this movie. <laughs> and you know what? <clears throat> Universe bless him for this. You know, 
bless him for that because i mean ultimately that's what's what he's known for he's known for taking roles like this and just making them his own especially if he knows that the script is shit mm -hmm. so i guess you know thank you neil Boot for at least trying to make something interesting and thank you nicholas cage for saving this movie from being complete and other shit well said <laughs> I'm gonna call you the Lord of Ash. You're, Ash, you're still leading this. Oh, so. okay. Oh, see, I was waiting. I yeah. was waiting for you to go. But anyway, so you know what? <laughs> but anyway, and I'm leaving that in. <laughs> <laughs> Don't leave the whole pause in. Yeah, I might. I might fix that in post. But anyway. Yeah. You can find Collateral Cinema wherever you get your podcasts. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, Google, uh, Good Pods. So uh, go leave us a five-star review or feedback on your platform of choice. Let us climb up the ranks. Uh, you can also check us out on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And... Check out our Patreon as well, where you get access to exclusive full-length movie commentaries. And we also have a uh, Buy Me a Coffee, so if you just want to help help support the uh, show through that uh, website, uh, you can throw us $1 or $5 there. And we also have a merch store on Spreadshirt. Uh, look, for us up, look for us there under Collateral Media Podcasts. Hell Yeah. And I believe this month, January, uh, we have planned uh, a two-part episode on the Indiana Jones trilogy, right? Yes, and I believe that we will be joined by The Vern from Cinema Recall on that oh, one. Yeah. So we're looking forward to that. Unfortunately, we had to uh, reschedule for another episode with... Uh, uh, dads from the crypt so uh, we'll be talking to them here pretty soon and another upcoming episode we, we have a couple of them uh, we're going to be uh, collaborating with the retro anime podcast to talk about the first project Aiko movie which is going to be all kinds of interesting because that's a very fascinating old school anime series and uh, as far as I know it's only me so far but uh, we'll also be joining Cinema Recall on their show to talk about the uh, Yorgos uh, Lanthimos movie Dogtooth, which was one of his, uh, which was his first movie, and uh, Lanthimos's more disturbing movie. It's it's a pretty fucked up movie, honestly. So uh, look forward for that later on this month. And uh, we also uh, have our previous bad movie December episode on Neil Breen's Twisted Pear out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And we also have all of our holiday content out. If you're still in the mood for uh, the previous Christmas season, uh, check that out. We have our uh, collaboration with uh, Victims and Villains on Eyes Wide Shut. Lots of content. Uh-huh. And we also have our Director's Cut episode on... Uh, Adult Swim holiday specials. We do the Boondocks, uh, a Huey Freeman Christmas. We did uh, Rick and Morty's Anatomy Park, and we did Strokers in Hoops. I saw Stroker killing Santa. So yeah, look for those episodes as well. Hell yeah! And uh, we do have a 
year in review episode in the works. Uh, we hope to get out uh, by the end of the month. Uh, just going to go over, you know, any of the movies that we would have wanted to talk about in 2023 that came out, but uh, didn't get a chance to. Uh, we've kind of compiled a list of a, of a few of them that we've since watched. Uh, and yeah, I'd kind of like to, to compile those and, and kind of do a quick review on them. So that'll be interesting. Um, we're doing something similar with Collateral Gaming uh, for uh, video games in 2023 because it was a great year for gaming. Speaking of Collateral Gaming, this month we are doing The Witcher 3. Uh, that'll be a two-part episode. And I would also like to get one or both parts of our uh, anniversary special this year being kind of the big, you know, we've been doing this for five year mark. Uh, we're going to be doing a two part anniversary special on fable and fable two. So yeah, we've been playing catch up on the podcasts, um, <laughs> a lot this season so far, yeah. but I, I feel like, yeah, we're right here. We're, um, we're pretty much where we want to be with the new year and I'm excited for it, man. We've still got a lot of content to cover. Yes, we do. And I, I'm looking forward to the rest of this uh, season. And uh, yeah, I mean, we're going to have our anniversary episode as well. That's going to be our Mikaversary. We're going to do Happiness of the Katakuris. And our uh, 420 special is going to be uh, Aqua Teen Hunger Force colon movie film for theaters, which is going to be all kinds of badass. So yeah, definitely stick around for those episodes. Hell yeah. Well, I am excited for all of it, bro. And uh, yeah, we uh, are coming into the new year strong, coming in hot. Uh, I don't really know what else there is to say, guys. Other than, you know, that Texas Sundown will be out very soon, right, Robert? No. No? Are you kidding no. me? Maybe next year. Maybe next year. It oh, is next year fuck. already. God damn it. We, we were going to release Maybe the it year after this year. Uh, we were going to release it before I'm the kidding. End, I'm kidding. before the end of the year too. Fuck. We were we we're supposed to release it in 2023. I figured that it would be a 2024 release. So, yeah. Yeah, look for Texas Sundown, uh, starring uh, Robert Ortegon and Ashley Chancellor and Bo Maddox and Jesse Ortegon. And it's uh, pretty much produced and directed by all of us a little bit. That means we're going to have to shoot more movies in one year. Actually. We will. We will definitely ha have more movies out by the, uh, yeah. probably by the middle of this year as well. Possibly shooting uh, more than one thing at once. Yeah, we're gonna definitely. Have, I mean, just different stories. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely look for uh, more short films from uh, Collateral Media in the future. Hell yeah. Definitely. Hell yeah. And maybe some YouTube content as well. So yeah, look for that as, as well. Hell yeah. Well, all right. I guess that's it. That being said, I'm Nicholas Cage. Uh, not the bees. Not the bees. Uh, it's high praise, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm Bo Maddox. Robert Oregon. Ashley Chancellor. We are the bees. The bees. <laughs> we are the bees. <laughs> Laters, y'all. We're out.
Collateral Cinema is a collateral media podcast. All music and movie clips are owned by the respective creators and are used for educational purposes only. Please don't sue us. We're poor.